Welcome to another edition of Sports with Friends. This is episode 406, and sometimes an episode falls into your lap. Uh, a person who I've been calling a friend for a long time, I've followed his career, I've seen him in press boxes for decades, uh, writes an article and says something about his personal life that makes me want to say, oh, I got to talk to this guy. And if he's willing to do it on a podcast, that's even a better way. Mike Vaccaro has been the lead sports columnist for the New York Post since 2002. Previously, he worked for the Star-Ledger, that's a New Jersey newspaper that's now NJ.com. That's where I first became aware of his work. He also worked for the Kansas City Star and the Times-Herald Record of Middletown, New York. He's the author of two sports books, including... Emperors and Idiots, the 100-year rivalry between the Yankees and Red Sox from the very beginning to the end of the curse, and 1941, the greatest year in sports. Recently, Mike underwent surgery, and his left leg below the knee was amputated for a number of health reasons. He wrote a column about it in the New York Post. He suffered a couple of staph infections, he had a number of sprains in that leg, and he was suffering from diabetes. He revealed all of it, but in a very triumphant way, his return to the golf course. I was inspired by it, and I asked him to come on the podcast. It is also the NBA Finals. There is actually a series going on. Game two was actually an entertaining one. We'll talk about that on the podcast as well. Plus, the French Open has been great. We'll get the latest odds on both of those events. With the head odds maker at BovadaSportsbook.com, Patrick Morrow, in just a few moments. We couldn't do the Stanley Cup Finals just because of the timing of the release of this podcast. We are going to cover all kinds of sports topics on this podcast, but first, uh, let's talk to Mike about his health. Mike, first of all, you are in a hotel room in Atlanta, Georgia, so clearly uh, your your leg issue is not stopping you from traveling all over to watch baseball of all things. Uh, so you, the, the, this week, the week that this podcast is being released, the Mets are playing the Braves and you're out there covering it. I'm, I'm, I'm stunned. How are you physically? And boy, you are never stop hustling. Huh. No, I'm doing well, Seth. Thank you. I mean, uh, yeah, it was, you know, I, I know that I, that I centered the, uh, the, uh, the the story wrote in the paper the other day about uh, my return to the golf course, but I suppose I could have done just as much uh, and been just as eloquent about my return to the press box. Although I don't think it would have been as interesting to, to as many people. Um, no, <laughs> but, uh, but 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 uh, yeah, I mean I, I'm, I'm I'm lucky. I mean I've you know I've, I'm I'm more ambulatory than I was probably in the two years before I had the procedure. So um, yeah, I, I'm, I I can get around fine. I mean I, I still need to to use a cane or two once in you know they can maybe you know once I'm you know, I've got my footing. I can go, you know, make it through the press box if I want to without a cane if I needed to. But, uh, but yeah, I can, I, I can get from point A to point B, and it's, uh, you know, that's really the important thing. And it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's all good. I mean, I, I've been able to resume my normal routine, which is, uh, you know, in the, I'm probably not going to do as much traveling just because I don't think anybody does anymore. But uh, I'm certainly going to do uh, the important stuff. And you know, uh, I met Brave series the first week of June. That sounds like a pretty good reason to get out, uh, get out to the airport. Yeah, there's going to be people listening to this podcast going, really? <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> We're not going to question the judgment on that. Um, all right, let's go. Let's go back. Uh, I read the story, so I want our listeners who have read it and didn't. Um, I want to understand it. You, you, you 
it's not like you glossed over it. You didn't give me the the medical history. Um, you had the lower half of your leg and foot amp- amputated. Um, yeah, it was a below the knee amputation on my left foot, right? Right. And that was, there was a combination of leg injuries from sports injuries. Right. A staph infection and diabetes? Uh, pretty much all three, yeah. I mean, look, I mean, my, my, my ankle was vulnerable anyway because of all the sprained ankles I'd uh, collected over the years. Um, the staph infection was an unwanted uh, kind of opponent that, uh, that that entered the picture last April. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, diabetes has been something I've, 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 you know, I've, I've fought neuropathy in both feet for years. Um, so all three of those things kind of conspired to really um, weaken my ankle and uh, developed a condition called Charco. Basically, uh, what that means is that your uh, your ligaments, your bones, and your uh, cartilage of your ankle just kind of slowly are are, 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 are are broken down. And uh, so for me, that was uh, that that culminated in uh, in uh, and for me also the kind of complication was that you know while most people who suffer from neuropathy uh, have terrible circulation, uh, I had just the opposite. For some reason, my circulation in my feet was 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 tremendous. And uh, that that was a problem for me because um, it you know, since it was, you know no it wasn't it wasn't even pain it's just it, because the circulation was so well it kind of it it, it served as a way to you know in, instead of, uh, of 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 the fragments of what was becoming a a beaten up ankle kind of just laying there to where they could be replaced or it could be operated on it was almost like you know being washed out to sea because the circulation was so good so basically within about two weeks of getting diagnosed my doctor took an X ray and. I really just didn't have an ankle anymore. Um, and so, you know, I started off by just having heavy leg braces and and stuff like that. And I could have gone like that for, for years. Um, I subsequently wound up having a, another infection in August, which landed me in the hospital. And with that, you know, did, and it went right to my foot. And it was just, it was clear that they weren't going to be able to save it. And if they did, it just wasn't going to be, it wasn't going to be worthwhile because they weren't going to ever be able to fix it. And so it was going to be a matter of slogging around on a heavy ankle boot and, you know, my doctor had already forewarned me that this was a possibility and that if you got an amputation, that might be the better the better course of action. And uh, that might sound uh, strange. And uh, well, that, it, that that was the thing that that y- you wrote, like you said, this is a better option. And I was like, wow, yeah. that, well, it, only that because they, turned my head. There, 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 were, there was no way for them to replace the ankle. There was no way for them to repair the ankle. So for as long as I had that particular ankle, it was just never going to get better. And that was never... I mean, literally, by the time I was, you know, the, the last two months I was on the ankle, I mean, it was literally just flopping like a fish. I couldn't support myself on it. It was just, it was just, a, it was like, you know, th- th- think about how awful it is when you sprain your ankle. That's what it was like, you know, All permanently for me. Wow. And so, you know, it, it really, you know, I was able to, you know, kind of in my mind get to the point where I realized, yes, it, it would probably be better for me to, uh, to, uh, to, 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 to get the procedure done, um, you know, and all the work that would entail, but, uh, you know, it turns out I was right because I mean I'm I'm far more ambulatory now than I was before. Um, you know, going go, going through intense bouts of uh, of uh, physical therapy and and uh, and rehab has been really uh, it's been really wonderful to see what uh, what the human body is capable of and uh, and so here I am. Forgive my ignorance. You're working this whole time, and. How much did COVID impact? I know I'm asking two things totally. No, no it's, I mean, it's, it's actually a great question, Seth, because look, I mean, uh, I was lucky for two. Th- I was lucky. There were three things I was lucky about. One, my doctors 
immediately said, look, and this is really before they even knew what I did for a living. They said, I don't know what to do, but if you can still work on some degree, uh, we encourage you to do that because it'll allow you to keep your mind occupied. You know, as opposed to just spending 24 hours a day, you know, thinking about your leg, you'll have other things to think about. COVID, believe it or not, was actually, I mean, I hate to put it this way, but it was actually beneficial to me in the sense that the way we covered sports changed, sure. you know, just radically during COVID. You know, for 100 years, it was taboo. If you didn't go to a, to a, to a, to a ball game, you didn't write about that ball game unless something ridiculous right. happened. Um, it just wasn't done. But of course, during COVID, all we did was cover cover sporting events that we weren't at. And so once that door opened, you know, it was, uh, it, it, it was, it was something that, that I was able to continue to do. I mean, I don't, I mean, it's certainly not my preference. And I made a point every time I wrote, a, wrote, a, wrote about a game that I wasn't at to make it pretty clear that I wasn't at that game, even if this was a subtle sentence here or there. Um, certainly but everybody was doing that. So I, it was not. I mean, I'm, I'm even talking about during, 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 during the time when I was, you know, coming back from my amputation. I mean, oh, sure. Uh, you know, I mean, so for instance, I mean, like, you know, covering the Yankee series with the Astros in postseason. I mean, as you know, for, for some of the games, all you, all you need to do is not have a dateline. And to me, that's enough to tell you you're not at the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, it, but, but, you know, obviously, that's not the way I prefer to do it. I'd rather be at the games. Um, and, uh, you know, but, 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 but it took a while. And, and the paper was very, was very patient with me. And they said, you know, just do it however you feel comfortable doing it. Um, and, and, and I was grateful for that. And, uh, you know, I went back and I covered a football game in December, which was great. And um, then once, once uh, you know, the, the new year came, I started to cover the Knicks more and more. Because the, the Madison Square Garden was a great entry point because it's very uh, user-friendly for someone like me who has to get around on canes. And, uh, you as long know, as you're not, you're not on their facial recognition software, you're great. Not, not yet, anyway. Um, but uh, but uh, Sorry, yeah. it was low-hanging fruit. I couldn't yeah, resist. It was. It's, it would be, I would have been disappointed if you hadn't seized it. <laughs> um and so i i yeah so then the uh you know the baseball season started and you know it, it was it was it was i haven't done many baseball games yet because i've been mostly involved in the knicks and so now i mean i'm, I'm kind of getting back to the to the baseball part of my calendar which is great so it's just uh, really cool about being in atlanta today at, the, at these games but i was very lucky because i'm not sure that if uh if the protocols uh, of, of covering sports hadn't changed during covid if it would have been as easy to convince my office that I could do the job adequately uh, remotely. Um, and like I said, I still prefer, I mean, I would never, I would never say this is the way that you, they, they, they should do it in any other way, except if you, if you have no other choice, but you know, I, I was able to do it, you know, and I've been in the business so long that, you know, I have, I, I, I have enough phone numbers in my, in, in my phone book where if I needed to, to cover games that way, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky enough to do it that way. So um, again, not my preference, but I was able to kind of, you know, get by as a result. More of our conversation with Mike Vaccaro from the New York Post about not only his health, but some sports talk as well. But first, the NBA Finals are in full force. It's tied 1-1 between the Miami Heat and the Denver Nuggets. Plus, there's a fantastic French Open going on. Let's welcome in the head odds maker from Bavada, Patrick Morrow. And Patrick, 1-1 heading into Wednesday night's Game 3. Uh, who's the favorite to win the series and then break down game three? Yeah, Seth, uh, you know, game two was a tough one for us. Uh, you know, the heat came back, uh, they started strong. Nuggets looked good at halftime, looked like uh, potentially we were uh, looking at uh, a 2-0 series and perhaps with the Nuggets, uh, a 4-0 series sweep. But uh, credit to the Miami Heat, 
they did what they've done all playoffs, which is uh, close out late, defy the odds, and uh, we are 1-1 going back to Miami. Uh, the Denver Nuggets are still favorites in this series. They are currently minus 250, and the Miami Heat are 2-1. to one. That is the outright to win the NBA Finals. Looking at Game 3 specifically, and we have Denver as an ever so slight road favorite in this one. They are about, they're currently two and a half point road favorites right now at Bavada. Uh, early action is on Miami in this one set. All right, let's hit the French Open. It's been uh, riveting stuff so far. Let's start on the men's draw. Uh, it really gets interesting now that we've hit the quarterfinals. And of course, the favorite to win is not Novak Djokovic. And I'm interested to see where the money is. Is it on Djokovic? Is it on Carlos Alcaraz, who's the number one seed? Yeah, Seth, we are now uh, getting into the nitty gritty of the French Open. We are into the second week. Uh, the have-nots have exited stage left, and we are left with uh, a few genuine, uh, really, competitors. As you noted, uh, Carlos Alcaraz is the favorite at plus 120 right now. Uh, Djokovic is behind him at plus 170. A lot of folks thought uh, that with Rafa Nadal out of the way, this would have been Djokovic's tournament, but the odds suggest that's not quite the case just yet. And yet another Spaniard will be defending the crown at Roland Garros. When it comes to where the money is at so far, uh, Djokovic is the most backed competitor of all those competitors left on the board with uh, Thomas Martin Echeverri uh, surprisingly taking a little bit of dark horse money there. So we're in a very enviable position right now in that we are cheering for the favorite right now to win the whole darn thing at Bavada. Over on the women's side, it's a little more wide open. Uh, Iga Sviatek is the, the top seed and the favorite, but Owns Jabor is certainly somebody that needs to be reckoned with. Perhaps who's playing the best is Arena Sabalenka, and then, of course, there's everybody's personal favorite uh, from the American side, Coco Gauff. She has, of course, been so popular as her star has risen over the years. So you have all over the globe, Owns Jabor, Sviatek, Sabalenka, and Gauff. And that's not everybody, but that has to be your top ranks. Seth, I will never tire to listen to you so perfectly pronounce tennis players' last names like that. It, it is truly a joy. Um, I'll get into the odd sides and stuff because you got the pronunciation down just absolutely right. But looking at the current futures board right now, Iga Sviatek is the odds-on favorite. She is currently minus 180. Uh, trailing her is Sabalenka at plus 275. Owns your right there at nine to one. And Coco Goff, who you mentioned, is getting a good deal of the action. She's currently sitting at 14 to 1 to win the tournament. Um, not really too surprising given our player base that a U.S. player is going to get a little bit more recreational action there. Uh, I would say that's probably deflating her odds a little bit uh, relative to actual expectation. Uh, all that to say, she is the most popular of the competitors remaining. But again, Iga Sviatek, she is your minus 180 outright favorite right now at Bavada. That is Patrick Morrow. Our thanks to him for coming on the show each and every week. Now back to our conversation with Mike Vaccaro, the New York Post. You walk into a, a press room and everybody knows who you are, you know, or the, the important people know who you are. So you have, you have that uh, going for you. And so there's a little bit of, 
of a leeway uh, given given to you. Um, yeah. my, one more my, my, my situation, yeah. I was very fortunate. So I mean, that, that, that I mean, I think for people's first reaction when they look at what happened to me is, oh my god, what a terrible break! And yes, of course, I'd rather still have a fully functioning left leg. But but uh, frankly, I mean, there's been a a lot of good fortune that's good that's gone along with this also. It's, it's allowed me to get to the point where I am today, which is, you know, really a fully functioning member of society, which is really all I wanted to be back back to. So so yeah so so t- tell the listeners uh, that that's how I kind of want to put a bow on on the health portion of 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 the podcast and start getting into sports. Um, how functional are you? Um, if if can you go for a walk? Can you you know is is it only walk when necessary? Um, is it a pain in the ass? You know, I, I, tell 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 the 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 part not. Not the medical part. Tell the part of, you know, you're you're a human being, and the listeners are in in the same boat. And I would imagine, you know, half the people listening to this podcast are type two. You know what I mean? Like everybody's listening to this. They want to know that you're okay. I am okay, Seth, and I appreciate you asking that question that in that way. Um, look, I, I get around wherever I need to go. I mean, I'm able to walk. I mean. Like I said, if I'm walking on, you know, outdoors, you know, unfamiliar terrain, I'll I'll, I'll take two canes, just to, just just to make sure that my that that, that, that I'm, you know I know where I'm going I'm, and 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 I feel comfortable. You know, once I establish a place where I'm at, whether it's in the press box or in somebody's living room, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe I'll use the one cane, but I really don't need to use any canes. I can I, I can move uh, just on my own, which is great. And I'm a couple of weeks away from getting a a, a permanent prosthetic. I mean, right now I'm still on my second uh, temporary prosthetic, which they do as a transitional period. To make sure that you're learning properly and how to use it and so forth. So, you know, once I get my permanent leg, I mean, there's really no excuse for me to be able to do anything that I now look, I mean, as as my prosthetist told me, you know, it's probably not a good time to take up rock climbing, probably not a good time to take up, you know, marathon running if you've never done this before. But things that you've done before, which, you know, include golf, which include, you know, you know, taking long walks in cities with my wife on vacation. Those are still things that are that are possible. And in fact, things I've always already started to do. Um, and, uh, those are things that I just hadn't, I just wasn't able to do, nor was I going to be able to do it. Were you a participant in the New York versus Boston game, uh, media game? Games? I, I, I never the, played uh, the New York media and the Boston media, either at Fenway park or, uh, yeah, I, ne- I never, I never did. By the time, by the time I showed up, uh, my, 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 uh, my baseball days were long in the past. Okay. I did still play basketball and I played a lot of pickup during spring training and so forth, you know, really up until about 10 years ago. Uh-huh. Uh, just uh, yeah, I, I was I was a basketball kid uh, in terms of the, the, the you know what I played growing up and and so I still did that you know I'm 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 you know I've kind of come to terms with the fact I'm probably not going to play basketball again or at least not to the degree that I did before no matter how well I get into it it's just it's, I mean people do you know and, and right. I, I probably if I wanted to kind of you know to 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 specify my rehab into you know this is something I want to do they would do that I mean it's amazing uh-huh. things you can do. But it would be at a cost of other things. It might not be quite as easy to play golf. I'd be quite as easy to just walk leisurely. Sure. I mean, so those are the things that are important to me right now. Did you write any columns about Casey Martin? And would you want to take any of them back? Thankfully, I was on the right side of history with that one. Casey, like Casey stuff, because uh, um, in those days, I do recall being on his side saying, you know, look, I mean, I I understand, you know, what, uh, what, what, the, the, the ardent golfers are saying and so forth, whether it's Tiger Woods or Jack Nicholas and so forth. But uh, to me, I mean, look, I mean, there there have you have to have some reason involved here. And the fact is that that yeah. uh, this guy could could have played golf 
given the opportunity to 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 to, to roll. Um, well, and... I, that was the uh, that was the go to in the 90s. If you uh, needed phone callers when I was doing talk radio, if you needed calls, it was should Pete Rose be in the Hall of Fame or should Casey Martin drive a car? Oh, well, I remember that. Yes. I mean, I, and I actually do remember writing a Casey Martin column. And I was yeah. I am grateful that I was other what I would have to consider, at least from my own standpoint, the, uh, the proper the right side. side. <laughs> That's great. Uh, you mentioned basketball. I have so many questions about basketball these days. Um, both Knicks, Nets, and just the league in general. I'd, I, if you if you don't mind, I'd like to start with just the league in general. Sure. Some things somebody said last week on the podcast. We had Damon Bruce on the podcast, and he made a statement to me, and he said, "I'm looking at the NBA wrong," and he said that because these teams are so reliant on the three, that a 25 point lead is the equivalent of a 10 point lead 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. And so that when you tune in a game, because my point was I tune in some of these playoff games and I see a 25 point blowout. I turn the TV off. I'm, I'm not interested. And that the chance of a, of a, of a team coming back from a 25 point game, that the game is still competitive at 25. And then I'm just looking at it wrong. I think it's potentially competitive at 25. I think that just as many games go to go, go on to be 35 and 40 point blowouts as a team comes back. But, you know, I think this I, I, recent I, playoffs before you, I, before you I, answer I, this I, recent playoff, the game I seven guess. between the Celtics and the Sixers and then the Celtics and Miami just seem to be hype, 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 and a real pile of duty. Like it, it just was a waste of time. Well, I mean, you know, the one thing that would reinforce the, 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 uh, the other argument is what Miami has done during the playoffs and so many, I mean, how many how many double digit deficits they've they, they've overcome now? I mean, I'm, I'm not sure 25 was doable, but they've come back multiple, you know, 10 and 12 and 14 point deficits in the second half. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's I mean, I, I, I know that uh, at least specifically the Knicks, Knicks lost a lot of games this year where they led by 19 points by 21 points, uh, um, but that also made sense because there were stretches this year where the Knicks had no idea how to guard the three. And so if you, if you, the, 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 the one way that you uh, allow that to happen, you know, coming overcoming a 25 point deficit quickly is if you have a team that gets hot, but also that gets hot in there and there's nobody guarding them. Um, so that was a kind of a perfect storm for, for, for those things to happen. It did happen the next quite a bit this year. This is kind of a sensitive question, but you've always been honest. Can Nikola Jokic not be the face of the NBA because his name is hard to pronounce and he plays in Denver. I don't really buy the the plays in Denver because LeBron played in Cleveland. I, I, that that seems like a load of nothing. But this idea that he's not American um, and that the face of the NBA has to be an American just doesn't wash well with me. Um, I could care less who the <laughs> who the face of the NBA is because it's not a league that really attracts me because I have so many complaints about it. But I'm wondering. Is he the face of the NBA, and is it just that the, the the NBA public won't let it be? I just think the problem is that a lot of people haven't been quite as un, uh, understanding of how great this guy is, because for a lot of circumstances, I, I mean, I don't want to be cynical enough to believe that it's got to be the, the, that what part of it is that he's you know, Serbian, not American. I think part of it is that he plays. Forget you know Denver as a market, but just he plays in a time zone that's not necessarily viewer friendly for most people certainly on the East coast of the United States. I mean, you know, it's, I think if, 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 a, if, if an Eastern coast 
person is going to certainly a casual basketball fan is going to stay up late to watch a West Coast game. They're more inclined to do that for the for the Warriors or for the Lakers and not necessarily for the Nuggets. And maybe this will change that. Um, and here's what I know, Seth, is that there, there there hasn't been a ball player maybe since Jordan, but, you know, maybe going all the way back to someone like Bill Walton in, in the very few years when he had a prime, where I enjoyed watching what he does in a basketball court as much as I do with, with Jokic. And I think that I think that people who really like basketball, and I don't mean to, to you know, to, to, to be sanctimonious, live myself as some kind of basketball purist, but I really do like watching good basketball. I loved watching the Warriors. I mean, there are some people who love to grip the Warriors because they, you know, brought the three ball to, to, to basketball. Not every team can do it, but you know what? The Warriors could, and watching them on nights when they were unstoppable was, you know, was, was, was some breathtaking basketball. I feel the same way when I watch Jokic play because he does so many things so well. I mean, he shoots well. He's a classic big man. He can get rebounds. He can play underneath. But I mean, there's a high. There, 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 there's a there's, there's a uh, there's a video going around now of like it's like a three minute highlight reel of just his best passes, you know. And those things are usually are usually you know, uh, you know, reserved for point guards and for you know Pistol Pete. You know, Pistol Pete's got a got a pretty famous three minute you know highlight reel, which is you know breathtaking. But you know, for this guy to be you know as tall as he is and as massive as he is. And to be just as just so clever with the ball, so unselfish. I mean, and that's the other element is that, you know, you can tell, even if you just watch them for 10 minutes, you can tell that, you know, the Nuggets aren't only better because of Jokic, but they really enjoy, thoroughly enjoy playing with him. And I'm not sure how many superstars you can say that with. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, you know, I know that people say LeBron has made players better for years. They say that about Jordan. They can say that, you can say that about, about, about that superstar A, B, and C. And sometimes I think that's just a forced narrative. I mean, it's definitely not forced with Jokic because you can just see his his teammates just, I mean, they just enjoy every second they spend the floor with him, which is you know, terrific to watch. And watching what he does is also great to watch. I mean, I, I can watch it all night. Um, and it's, uh, it, it, so yes, I mean, there's a long-winded way I know of answering your original question, but no. can he be the face of the end of the NBA? I mean, so you certainly get my vote because he's the one guy, if you, if you say that, they, that you can watch one player tonight, who would you want to watch? It wouldn't even there wouldn't even be a close second right now. It would be it would be him. I think I think Luka Doncic could get there if he decides to commit to, to being in shape and kind of being a better teammate. But uh, right now, Jokic is is number one with a bullet and and really you know far far separated from whoever number two would be. But then I want to bring in Giannis into this conversation, not as a comparison to to Jokic because that's not apples to apples. But Giannis was the perfect example of how the NBA trends because of social media and everything, their linear ratings don't have to be anything. And, you know, they they have a national TV deal coming up and no one knows what they're really going to do because, you know, the NBA brand has never been higher and no one, no one really knows uh, people are watching Snapchat and they're watching you know, NBA Twitter and, and, and things like that. And they're seeing anything. And this kind of helps transition to the Knicks. If you are 14 years old and you are a basketball fan, you can be a Giannis fan living in New York. You can be a Jokic fan living in New York. You don't, there is nothing pulling you to being a New York Nick or even a Brooklyn Net fan. Whereas when you and I, and you're with all due respect, you're a little older than I am. But when I was growing up, 
you like the local team. And nowadays, especially in that league, more so than in the other leagues, the local team doesn't seem to resonate anymore. And that the only people that, to me, seem to really connect with the Knicks are the older generation that, to be perfectly straight with you, still love baseball the same way. You know what I mean? That that older generation, that the young kids that are the, the future of the NBA could give a crap if the Knicks are good or not. And the reality of it is, is that it's a superstar-driven league, and you have these superstars, and they're great. You know, it, 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 it's definitely, a, and I, I've, I've talked about this before in my column, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Sports, sports, sports as a whole, we're, we're, we're no longer tied to geography. Um, geography was always the number one thing. You grew up in Long Island, you were a Mets fan, you were an Islanders fan, you grew up in New Jersey, you were a Devils fan, a Giants fan, you grew up in you know, Plano, Texas, you were a Cowboys fan. Um, geography is no longer a requirement. I mean, I think sometimes you still f- fall into that just because um, you do have the, I mean, the one thing geography offers that nothing else does is if you, if you really do like watching the games, and if as a child, you know, you, you, your father takes you to a Mets game when, he's eight, when you're eight years old, you're probably going to be a Mets fan because that's mm-hmm. that's one element. But that's but you're not tied to that. You're right. Um, and, um, you know, the, the, the fact is that, that, that you can watch you know, just as many Sacramento Kings games as you can Knicks games and you can be invested in them every bit as much as you can with them with with the Knicks. And, you know, it's funny. We saw that a little bit. If that's the- what you want. If, the, if If that's what you want. Right. Look, I mean, that's actually not a new thing. I mean, look, I mean, it, it, football was so deplorable in New York in the '70s that there's a whole generation of New York uh, of New, of New York uh, football fans who Pittsburgh are Steelers fans, Dallas Cowboys fans, Steelers fans, you know, uh, right, Cowboys fans, Dolphins fans. Yep. Because those are the guys. You know, those are the teams that were playing the primary games every week, and and you know, you have this whole generation of guys in their in their mid fifties to the to mid sixties who just never thought to root for the Giants and the Jets because they were so terrible. Um, so it's so, so, so it's always been available. But back in those days, it was hard. You know, there was no sports bar that you could go to to watch a Steelers-Oilers game if you were a Steelers fan, you know? I mean, and it became easier as sports bars and, you know, and the Sunday ticket developed. But it's still – look, I think, I think it's still easier to rely on geography. It's still easier to be a Yankees fan if you live in New York. It's still easier to be a Rangers fan if you live in New York. But you certainly, you know, it doesn't take a lot of trying or a lot of effort to pick out a player you want, I mean, if you want to be a Conor McDavid fan, you can you can watch everyone in Conor McDavid's games. And you know what? That's it's it, it, you know I'm not going to tell you that's a that's a waste of your time because I bet it's I bet you have a little a lot less angst doing that than you do watching the Knicks day after day or the, or the Islanders day after day. More sports with friends in just a moment. You know I love hosting this show, and obviously I want as many people as possible to hear every episode. I put a lot of effort into them. The reality, though, is that podcast discovery, whether you're a podcaster or a podcast listener, is hard. That's why I've partnered with the folks at Marble. M-A-R-B-Y-L. Not like marbles in your mouth like it sounds when I'm doing my podcast. Marble's AI identifies the five most interesting moments in a podcast episode and instantly transforms them into searchable, shareable clips called marbles. We've done close to 400 episodes of this show, and sometimes you want to hear about themes that we've done. You can search for hockey podcasts that we've done, football podcasts that we've done. If you want to hear about 
the paralysis situation with Eric Legrand or the release of Brittany Griner. We've done four separate podcasts on Brittany Griner's arrest. All the amazing coverage we did of sports and COVID. You can easily make a marble out of this. It's easy to create and share marbles from anywhere inside my episodes on the Marble app. And as a listener of Sports with Friends on Marble, I think it's cool that anyone can go in and be the first to claim something that's said on the show as their own personally created marble. You can share it on Instagram, TikTok, social media, and if you're old like me, you can even put it on Facebook. You can be the first to marbleize a moment on the show. And it helps me get discovered. If you're a podcaster, join me in marbleizing your show. Just head to marble.com. That's M-A-R-B-Y-L.com to get started. And if you're a listener that doesn't have a podcast, it's a great and free way to directly support Sports with Friends to get the app. Simply create and share one marble from something said on this show that you enjoyed, not something you hated. When you subscribe to my show on Marble, you'll get access to all the latest marbles as they roll out. Marble is a free app for both iOS and Android users, so head to marble.com, that's M-A-R-B-Y-L.com, or search Marble in the app or Google Play stores and change the way you listen to podcasts. What I want from the NBA, and I've said this on this podcast way too often, is competitive balance and i i hate to bring hockey into this whole thing because it 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 impacts me in in my opinion what what i get the sense of when the nba rewards bad teams for making the playoffs the nhl has five four to six good teams that that don't make the playoffs you know, right. this year alone, the Washington Capitals, the Pittsburgh Penguins, you know, the Florida Panthers had to fight tooth and nail just to make the playoff. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, you know, then it gets into the whole days off and the regular seasons irrelevant. And there was a game in December. I thought I think you wrote the column that I read. Uh, I talked about it on the podcast where um, the Nets were playing the Indiana Pacers in December and they rested eight guys. Yeah. Eight guys and i was like this league is so stupid and I, I, it's it's not that kind of it, it's a weird feeling you know it's it, it's a weird feeling because i'm not a hater i'm not a I'm not a hating person i don't hate things you know i hate the new york rangers how about that uh, that 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 i hate but i don't yeah. i don't hate sports like that and it's just the, this league i just complain about all the time because i want it I, for as popular as it is i want it to be better yeah, no, I think it's I want a fair the thing games to, to be better, and I want the competitiveness to be better. Yeah, I think it's a fair thing to ask for, and I don't, I don't think it's a lot to ask for because, uh, you know, they, 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 there are a lot of people who put a lot of time, a fan time invested. In and and I'd be the first person to say, and I don't mean to cut you off, but yeah. I, I'd be the first person if it if it got better, just like with baseball, I'd be the I was the first person to say these new rules, unless we can transition there, these new rules are better. It's not fixed yet, but it's better. Yeah. Right. And I'm not I'm not going to sit there and just be this this hater that doesn't want things to succeed. Right. No, I hear you. That's the, which, which is you make great points about specific to the to the NBA. You're right. Nah, it's, it's it's bonkers. Um, you are covering baseball. Um, is it weird to see the Mets owner 
spending like 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 there's no tomorrow and the Yankees being fiscally responsible? Um, it is like, like uh, if you've been, if, if you've been under a rock for 20 years, like, like I always laugh when in the night, in the nineties and the two thousands, those Yankee fans think George Steinbrenner is just the greatest owner in the world because they didn't, they weren't alive during the time when he was banned from baseball and he was firing managers willy nilly. He just didn't, they don't know that they just know he was buying Randy Johnson and Jason Giambi and all is well in the world. Now it's the opposite, you know. Steve Cohen's spending on every pitcher under the sun, and 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 the Yankees are being very fiscally responsible. Yeah, I, you know, I remember having a conversation with James Dolan one time, and we were talking about owners and how fans like or dislike them, and why they like or dislike them, and so forth. And I said, "Look, if I were you, what I would what what I would, what I would look to as my role model is is George Steinbrenner, because there was no more singular detested human being in in, in New York sports by the." early nineties and Steinbrenner to the point where he was suspended from baseball and the fans of Yankee stadium gave him a standing ovation. That's how, that's how much he was, he was, he was loathed. And the idea when he was coming back, back into baseball, Yankee fans were running for cover. Cause like, Oh, here we go again. And four years later, he's, you know, Yankee fans are, are screaming, thank you, George. And they did that for the last 15 years of his life. I said, so you look at that, you say to yourself, all right, well, you know, things really can change because if, totally. if George Steinbrenner can have, can have, can have fans chanting his name, and any man is redeemable, and in uh, in a, a pretty funny line, which he didn't allow me to print, but I thought was, but but I've you know, but I've, but I've used several times as the years pass. I mean, he said, well, maybe they'll appreciate me when I'm dead, and I told him, I said, well, they will if you get them a championship. I said, that's all it's gonna take. I mean, you don't that's have to right. die. All you gotta do is, all you gotta do is, 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 is win a championship on your watch, and and you'll be the toast of town. That's all it takes. I mean, fans, fans don't really, they they they, they don't want to dig too deep. They don't want to ask why. They want don't they don't necessarily want to know how the sauce is being made. That's right. They just want to know their team has a chance to win the championship, and they love to win the championship every now and again. I mean, you know, sports fans are, are forced to eat so much mud over the course of time, you know, for any various amount of reasons. But just the most simple one is that most of us root for teams that lose a lot. You know, I mean, now we have, and, 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 you know, because you root more than one team, and you know, maybe one, maybe you're a Yankees fan, but you're probably, maybe you're also a Jets fan. You know, maybe you're also a Knicks fan. So as much as you know, I mean, so 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 I mean, it makes the good times that much more valuable and that much more uh, appreciated, and you know, and I and, and I do think that that uh, you know fans aren't uh, aren't looking to be to, to be looked at as some kind of sophisticated organism. They just they 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 are what they are. They want their teams to win. They're going to respond as you think they they should when they win. And, you know, that, 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 that was always something that I, I just never thought that the Wilpons ever understood when they owned the Mets is that they thought there was some kind of, you know, conspiracy against them and everybody was anti-Met, anti-Wilpon and blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I tried to explain this to Jeff several times. I said, Jeff, you know, and, and look, I mean, all you had to see, I mean, on their watch, they had that great run in 2015 when they wound up in the World Series, mm-hmm. you know, and you know what, you know what you didn't hear a lot during the the fall and winter of 2015, the spring of 2016, you didn't hear a lot of Wilpon bashing. You really didn't. I mean, who's going to bash an ownership that just got you to the World Series? That's that's really all it takes. Winning is the ultimate deodorant, and right. it's uh, you know, and and it, it, it's really that simple. I mean, you know, and it's funny. You know, one of the reasons I enjoy John Maris so much, and you know, partly because he's just a, you know, I just I just think he's a great gentleman, and I yeah. enjoy talking to him. But he also gets it. He realizes that, you know. When, when when fans are happy with him, it's got nothing to do with the fact that he's told a good joke. It's because his team is successful. And, you know, oppositely, you know, 
they're going to say a lot of mean, nasty things at him. But he realizes it's not because he did, he did them wrong. It's because he's the guy in charge of putting together a bad football team. It's really as simple as that. And if you're an owner, I think that's the fundamental thing you have to learn is that it's really not personal at all. It's strictly business. Totally. Totally. It is. No, no secret there. Um, I could do this with you all day. Um, in a time when the media is under siege, uh, let's just stick to the sports media. Uh, newspapers are, you know, falling by the wayside all over. The New York post has backing and uh, it is something that the sports section has been uh, as strong as ever. And, you know, I don't think I'm speaking out of school. You can't say that about the rival, the New York daily news and, you know, the post and the news rivalry used to be the best. And yeah. uh, uh, it's and a shame is- because a lot of good people, uh, and lost their and lost and their gigs and people I used to compete against all the time. Yeah, yeah, and and and, and, that, and that that rivalry made you all better. Um, uh, and that, and that that that's a real travesty. But what is it like being in an unstable industry right now, but having a stable gig? Um, forever grateful. Um, uh, you know, every time I look at the driveway and I see that the paper is at the driveway, I feel good for another day. Um, I understand it's, it's all very tenuous. Um. You still call yeah. it a paper. You, you I, call I, it a paper I, all the time. I, 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 I haven't it's, seen a newspaper in decades. To me, it's still a newspaper. I mean, uh, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm going to be old school till I die in that re- in, in that regard. Anyway, um, look, I, and look, I mean, like I said, it's, it, it, there's a lot of gratitude toward the idea that uh, we're allowed to to you know. Then I only want to say still do things the way that we always did them because I think we do them better than we used to. I mean, but we're still committed to doing you know good stuff and covering these teams properly. And thoroughly, um, you know, I think that there was a a time not so long ago when, when I think newspapers in general decided they wanted their sports sectors to be more magazine-y. Um, you know, I look at what's happened to the Times and look to each his own. But I haven't read the Times in years because, I mean, you know, you can't find a New York-generated story for the most part. I mean, Tyler Kepner is wonderful, but they expect him to cover the Padres every bit as, as much as they cover the Yankees. I mean, there's no local tie to it, which I find unfortunate. Um to me, I mean, I was raised on on New York centric coverage. Sure. You know, it's a kid who grew up on Long Island. I mean, I cared about my teams, but I also cared about the other teams in town. I really did. I mean, that's that's how I, you know, I didn't grow up to hate the other team. You know, my my my, my father taught me to, to to root for New York, and so that's still kind of you know, it, it, he couldn't have given me better training for the job I have because, yeah, you know, yeah, I might, have, I might have grown up caring more about one team in town than the other in terms of all the sports, but. I was never unhappy when the Yankees won a World Series or the Giants won a Super Bowl at all, even when I was a kid. And so obviously that you know that that that's been allowed to transfer into the work. And the great thing about the New York Post is that um, you know, we we are really still there for the sports fan. The, you know, the, the, you know I, I get it. There's talk, you know, and it's funny because we've kind of outlasted. I, I don't want to say the talk radio was irrelevant now. It's not. The talk radio is different now, certainly than it was, mm-hmm. say, when Mike and the Mad Dog was doing it. And you know, then in every game and every sport well, was podcasts have changed it, yeah. It's downsized. It's it's downsized a lot. There are major market stations that have eliminated. Just last week, uh, Damon Bruce was hosting Afternoon Drive, and his show was eliminated. Yeah, I mean, like, you see that. You see things like that. Crazy. You're, you're extra grateful for the commitment that we do have from the people behind us, and that's uh, it's important because I mean, you know, it's obviously important for those of us you know who who, who pay our mortgage that way. But I think it's also important for 
sports fans who still rely on, you know, on the daily voices in their paper. And, you know, and it's not just the paper, it's also podcasts. It's also radio stations. It's also, look, I think, I, I think it's the vast cacophony that, 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 that makes it so much fun, you know? Um, and it's like I said, when you were talking about the daily news, I, I miss that. I miss that. I miss the daily, you know, waking up, you know, with your, with, with your, with your, with only one eye open because you, you're afraid that, 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 that what you're going to find in the daily news that morning and so forth. Um, you know, it's, it, it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's a, it's, 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 it's a, it's a real, it's an outrageous piece of good fortune that those of us who work at the post still get to work, uh, and do the job the way that we were trained to do it. And, uh, you know, I think I speak for a lot of guys there who feel the same way. Mike, the story that you wrote this weekend, I mean, all your columns are great, but the story that you wrote, uh, was very personal. You didn't have to do it, uh, but it was uh enlightening and it caught my eye and it was uh something that i was so glad that when you agreed to come on uh i am so happy that you are happy and that i hope that you have continued good health and uh if you i could finally beat you in a race that would be something i would totally do um, that's good absolutely I still no, think no, you no could probably beat me in basketball uh, but uh, no, in all seriousness, uh, continued good good health and success, and uh, let's meet up in a press box soon. And uh, thanks for coming on Sports with Friends. I really appreciate it, Seth. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for letting me tell the story. I appreciate that. Mike Vaccaro, right here on Sports with Friends. There's ever a chance to read Mike Vaccaro. Take it up. Follow him on social media. Subscribe to the New York Post if you can. We've got a bunch of Post sports guys on the podcast. And this was impromptu. Sometimes podcasts like this fall into your lap. And uh, it's one of my favorite things about Sports with Friends. You've got to think on your feet. And when you see something that makes a lot of sense, you jump on it. And when you have friends like Mike Vaccaro, you get him on the show. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. If you want me to stay, I'll be around today to be available. For you to see I'm about to go And then you'll know For me to stay I got to be me You'll never be in doubt That's what it's all about You can't take me for granted and smile Count on grace I'm gone Forget reaching me by phone Because I promise I'll be gone for a Have been the kind of person that you.